Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We have survived another week. Congratulations. It's a, it's a cause to celebrate. It is Friday, June 17th, 2022. And I'm going to give you some top stories, some true crime. These are the true crime top stories, top stories in true crime from around the world. So just you, just you wait, because it's a good one. And uh, some weird cases in the second half. You got to stick around to hear about. I just want to say thank you for everybody for supporting this podcast. I love to see the numbers grow every week. Thank you very much. If you haven't yet, please follow this podcast. If you're listening to it every week, why are you not following? Follow. Review when you can. I love to read the reviews. Also, are you in the Deep South? I'm heading to Savannah. In September, you got to come see me. I'm at the Savannah Crime Expo, Saturday, September 10th. Come on down. It'll be a good time. Savannah is the place for true crime. It's the uh, uh, Isn't that the setting of the very first huge true crime book? I'm not talking about In Cold Blood. This is, I mean, after this. Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Do you guys remember that one? I hope that's not Charleston. I think that's Savannah. Don't quote me. I'm going to look it up. In the break. Um, jumping to the top stories, though. Clearly, the Patriot Front gets top billing this week. Patriot Front? You guys are following this? Uh, this is a... Patriot Front is a domestic terrorist organization here in the United States. Part of this rise of white power, along with the Buffalo shooter that happened several weeks ago. Um... The Patriot Front were arrested in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. These were 31 members of this Patriot Front group. Arrested Saturday last week after police pulled over a U-Haul packed with white men 
in riot gear. They were heading for a pride event in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is a very beautiful place if you've never been, northern Idaho. This is all according to CNN. So who, I still haven't answered the question, who really are the Patriot Front? Well, I did a little digging for you so we get everybody up to speed. Patriot Front is this hate group. They were formed out of the ashes of another bigger hate group called Vanguard in 2017. There was a lot of infighting. There's even there's even politics and hate groups. Who knew? But Patriot Front formed from from this. And they get together and they show up at these these pride rallies and demonstrations like this and they cause a lot of chaos. So they get on the news and promote their white power agenda. Here's a quote. This is taken from their um, minutes. You know, their this is their the the what the Patriot Front is all about. This is their motto, their um, constitution. This is coming directly from their their internal constitution. Quote. Those of foreign birth may occupy civil status within the lands occupied by the state, and they may even be dutiful citizens, yet they may not be American. Membership within the American nation is inherited through blood, not ink. So, but I don't remember seeing any Native Americans in that group. Anyways, it goes on to say, quote, The damage done to this nation and its people will not be fixed if every issue requires the approval and blessing from the dysfunctional American democratic system. And we're going to, do you, do you get, the, we're, we're heading towards a very specific word here, but before we get there, along with their constitution, they also have their own little flag. Somebody in their group went to a couple graphic design classes, I think, in college, and they made themselves a flag that has red, white, and blue, and They've got, but they've got 13 stars. And they also have a, a, a curious little symbol in the middle that is called a fasces. A fasces? What is a fasces, James? I'm glad you asked. A fasces, it looks like a, a bundle of wooden rods with an axe sticking out of it. And this is one of the oldest symbols in human history. It's very most people don't recognize it today. You might have seen it on the back of Mercury Head Dime years and years ago if you're old enough or if you're a numismatist. That's people that collect coins by the way. It's on the back there. Fasces. It's an ancient Greek symbol, uh, Rome. It might even go all the way back to the Etruscans. And what it is these these what they used these bundle of wooden rods and an axe back in the day it was a portable kit for flogging and decapitating enemies of the state it is the symbol of the national fascist party in italy it's mussolini's symbol but unlike the swastika it hasn't gotten that uh evil status in the same way Fasces, does it sound like another word? It's where the term fascism actually comes from. That's what these people are. They're fascist and, and self-admitted and, and proud of the fact. These are a bunch of proud boys, after all. So I guess 
the way it went down is somebody at a hotel where they all had all gathered, I'm guessing maybe in Econo Lodge. I've seen some crazy stuff go down in Econo Lodges. Somebody at the hotel saw 31 men dressed in uniform pile into a U-Haul trailer and said, hey, that doesn't look good. They called the police. This group's aim was to disrupt the Pride event in Coeur d'Alene. And there's nothing more straight, I think, than 30 men in costumes packed into a sweaty trailer. Police pulled them over, though, arrested them all. There's some great pictures of the whole thing. And they're all charged with conspiracy to riot... It's just a misdemeanor. These people are going to pay fines and, and move on and do something bigger and badder, probably. That's the uh, Patriot Front. As the Who says, it's a put-on. Do, do you remember the song Eminence Front? I I was trying for something there. It didn't quite work. Second story is a spy story, and I love me some spy stories. I love it. One of my favorite shows of all time is is the Americans, who's with me. Also, by now, they should have come out with a sequel series. And and uh, AMC, was it on AMC or FX? Anyways, if the producers are listening, I'm, I'm your guy. You'd, I mean, it's, it, it sells itself. You'd call it the Russians, and it would be the reverse of what happened in the Americans, and it would be about the, the cyber people, the people that are um, doing all the online spying. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. This story comes from The Guardian, and talks about this Russian spy that was arrested in the Netherlands this week. You think about the Americans and Russian and the Cold War and all these spies, you think it's a, a ninth, you know, something that would only happen in the 80s. It still happens. It still goes on, as this story shows. The spy's name was Sergei Vladimir Raj. I'm going to try that one more time. Vladimirovich. Cherkasov. He's 36 years old, and he's been using the name Victor Ferreira, a 33-year-old man from Brazil. He's been building this fake ID in Brazil for 10 years, building up for this moment that was going to happen. 10 years just being this guy, Victor, walking around Brazil, waiting for his assignment, and it came in recently. That's when he applied for a position at the International Criminal Court in the Netherlands. This court is charged with investigating possible war crimes happening in Ukraine. You can see the Russians' uh, interest in such a thing. Uh, as many Russians will be going to prison over what's happening in Ukraine. So this job he was applying for as, as Victor, he would have had access to emails and evidence and could have destroyed... Evidence showing that Russians were guilty of these workers. A very big deal. High-level position. And that makes him part of the illegals program, the elite, elite unit within Russian intelligence that creates these, these fake lives and fake IDs. These are people that could be living right next to you. Uh, when the police arrested him, they found the bio that Sergei used to remember all of the details he needed to remember about Victor's life, this fake life that he concocted. And Victor, it appears, if I'm reading this right, was actually a real person who might have passed, or he was borrowing this, this ID. It says he found his real father in Rio de Janeiro. And 
the FBI believes he convinced this this real person that he was actually his son that he hadn't seen in many years. So that kind of gets you further credibility. Now you have you can say, hey, my father remembers me. And he had to explain away though that he had if he had if he had grown up there, how did he forget Portuguese? He couldn't figure out how to how to speak Portuguese. He said, oh, I, I you know, I forgot, you know, as you do. And so he had to quickly learn Portuguese again. But he came up with a lot of like interesting character details about the this fake guy, Victor. And he said he hate he must not have liked Sergey must not have liked fish. Because he had a backstory about why Victor couldn't eat fish. He said, contrary to most Brazilian people who enjoy all the sea has to offer, I do not like fish. I dislike the stench of fish because I used to live in this portside community and lots of bad things happened to me as a kid. So, poor Sergei really, really didn't want to eat fish. So he had to explain why Victor didn't like it. And he said, I had this big crush on my geography teacher. You gotta lie close to the truth. So I'm guessing Sergey might have had the hots for his geography teacher back in, uh, back in the gulag. Um, it's just like so. It's a good thing they caught him, right? But if they caught him, who didn't they catch? How many other illegals are are still out there? How much do you really know about your neighbor, the one with the slight accent? I, I'm just just saying. Last story this week, uh, we're back to Brazil. Another Brazil's crazy. Brazil is the Florida of the world, by the way. Um, this is actually a sad story, though, and takes us back to the Guardian newspaper. The Guardian uh, lost one of its journalists this month, and you're seeing this more and more because there's been more violence against journalists in the last few years. Uh Dom Phillips was a frequent contributor to The Guardian, and he was doing research for his new book called How to Save the Amazon. So he set off June 2nd with this guy, Bruno Pereira. They went into the forest. Bruno was a former official with the Brazilian government, and he worked in this agency for indigenous people. And when I say indigenous people, I mean like those tribes out in the jungle, like not like aborigines that have become part of society in Australia or Native Americans on the reservation in, in the United States. These people are, they don't know that we exist, like true indigenous people. Bruno had been tracking these indigenous tribes, trying to keep them safe from illegal fishing and deforestation. He was tracking their movements, trying to remain undetected. So Dom... Bruno set off on this four-day trip into the jungle, and they never returned. Police, during a search, found clothing belonging to the two men, and they quickly detained a suspect and, and the suspect's brother. Just yesterday, Thursday, they announced that they found two bodies, the bodies of two men, where Dom and Bruno went missing. And they are still confirming their identities, but... You know, almost without a doubt, that's 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 who they found. Um, police have said already that 
one of the men they detained has confessed to killing them and was the one that took them to the location of the bodies. So um, good that they've been found, unfortunate, and and uh, they were they were trying to save these tribes in the Brazilian jungle. This is just, I mean, I'm sitting here in a closet <laughs> in Akron, Ohio. I'm as far from the Amazon jungle as, as you can get, but there's, there's a whole other world of trouble out there, and this journalist and his friend were trying to make a difference. I have got some incredible cold case updates and genetic genealogy news coming at you in just a couple minutes. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I will be back in two and two. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome back to Square Pegs, starring Amy Linker. Hey, I'm going to tell you about some hot sauce now. <laughs> and uh, just just stay with me. You're going to want in on this. Trust Uncle James. Uh, this is Silk City Hot Sauce, my man. It's made in small batches in Vermont with locally grown peppers. Silk City so Hot Sauce has several several flavors to choose from. There's mild sauces like Aztec Attack and Maple Chipotle. Medium blends like Badass Jew, Dragon, and Slurp. Then there's some that are just plain hot, like Climate Change. There's also Super Hot, Ghost Whisper. And they've just come out with a couple new uh, improvements, some new sauces. you got to try their Bloody Mary Mixer. Super potent, features tomato, 
horseradish, habanero, and pickles. We got a new sauce too called Fired Up that features farm fresh carrots, apples, habaneros, and mangoes. I want to try that. That sounds awesome. Every flavor has awesome original comic book artwork on the front too. You put these up. It's like artwork on the shelf. Everybody wants a little bit. Anyways, they look awesome. Go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use coupon code CRIME to receive 15% off your order. You're welcome. Check it out. Cold case updates. Police in Manchester, New Hampshire. We're searching the old apartment of a missing girl's father this week looking for evidence. This is according to WMUR. We're talking about Harmony Montgomery. If you haven't seen this case, seven years old, blonde girl, glasses. She went missing in 2019. Hasn't been seen since. And this is a sad story. I try to stay away from sad kid stories, but this one's developing, and I think we're going to see something soon. Harmony kind of fell through the cracks of the juvenile system up in New Hampshire. And you got to ask, like, how do you lose a kid? Well, it didn't help that COVID happened just a couple months after she after she went missing. And, um, well, here, here's kind of how it played out. So Harmony's mother, well, Harmony was born. Her mother was suffering from addiction. Her father, Adam, was in prison when she was born. But he gets out around the time the mother loses custody due to these addiction problems. And a judge grants Adam, the father, rights in 2018 when Harmony's like six years old. Now, after she moves in with Adam, immediately the Department of Child and Family Services starts getting alarming calls. Somebody reports that they saw the girl with black eyes. They go out. Sometimes the girl seemed... Like she'd been hurt, but it's explained away. Other times not. The last time anyone from the Department of Child and Family Services sees her is October 2019. The dad is talking about taking her to his mother's place in Massachusetts. The department finally catches up with the father again in January 2020, and he says that Harmony's now back with her mother. So they go looking for her mother, and they can't find her anywhere. Fast forward a year and a half, September 2021, the mother resurfaces, says she hasn't seen Harmony since 2019. So they go back and try to find the father, can't find him anywhere. They finally catch up to Adam in December of last year. He's living out of his car. He's totally uncooperative with police, won't tell him anything, won't help out. In January, Adam was arrested, charged with second-degree assault and endangering the welfare of a child. His ex-girlfriend turns up dead in March. They don't believe it's related, but it's a weird little detail. This week, they descended on his old apartment, and police were seen removing a refrigerator and checking sewer lines. They're asking the listening audience for any tips about these people. Reward stands at $144,000. I'm going to follow that up with some good news about a kid who's now not a kid anymore. Remember that story from last week, the Baby Holly story? Um, Quick summary. Uh, Dean Klaus, a guy named Dean Klaus and his wife Tina Lynn, 
and their daughter, Holly. They all disappeared in 1981. And then a couple bodies were found in Houston, like, months after their disappearance, but those bodies had never been ID'd until, like, last year when genetic genealogists confirmed that they were Dean Klaus and Tina Lynn. But there was not a third body. So where was Holly? What happened to Holly? They thought the worst. They thought maybe animals had taken her. But then it was reported last week that they found baby Holly alive. She's now an, an older woman herself and uh, living in Oklahoma. And uh, so Houston Chronicle checked in this week, and they, they've got the rest of the story. If you want to read the whole thing, it's in the liner notes at the end. It all started, they were able to, to find baby Holly because of a weird spelling mistake, or at least they were trying to find the answer to the spelling mistake, because some members of her family spelled Holly H-O-L-L-I-E, and others spelled it H-O-L-L-Y, and nobody could really agree on how the parents had spelled it. So this genetic genealogist said, well, I'll just check the vital records, I'll, I'll get a birth certificate. So they requested the birth certificate from the Florida Records Department, and uh, they were denied. And I said, that's strange. Why are they denying me a birth certificate for somebody that's obviously dead? So they went to the police. So the police said, oh, all right, we'll take care of it. So the detective reached out to Florida Vital Records, said, hey, give me that birth certificate. And they were denied. So the attorney general, the top lawman of the state, gets involved. He was denied, too. What the hell is going on, right? Nobody could figure it out. Finally, they get judges involved. Judges invoke, you know, the you know, they do paperwork, and they're like, ah, we, we really want this. And finally, Vital Records is like, ah, okay, here you go. And that's how they find out. They get the birth, birth certificate, and it's like, ah, she was adopted before her parents were found dead. She was adopted. And they, they tracked down the birth parents where they were living, and that's how they found Holly living in Oklahoma. So you never know what clue is going to be important. You always have to do your due diligence. But that's good work from that, for that uh, genealogist. Speaking of genealogy, here's some genetic genealogy news. We've got a new serial killer on our hands. A guy named uh, Douglas Thomas was arrested in May of this year for the 1992 murder of Shonda Denise Hayes. This is according to Oxygen.com. Now, evidence from Hayes was entered into CODIS. That's the FBI's super system of felonious DNA. Now, evidence from the Hayes murder matched DNA evidence from another homicide, this one in California, which led to a, another murder charge this week uh, in the death of Sherry Herrera. Now, Douglas Thomas was a long-haul truck driver for 40 years. Years He worked all over the United States, driving all over the place. Hayes was murdered in Texas in 92. Herrera was murdered in California in 1993. We're talking rapes with strangulation. Both women worked in the sex trade. California detectives had been focused on Herrera's nephew for many, many years. They weren't looking for Douglas Thomas. They, they thought for sure it was Herrera's nephew, who... Um, himself was a serial killer responsible for at least three murders between 1995 and 97. Wow. Uh, so 
you know, again, police and FBI are asking if anybody knew this Douglas Thomas, anybody thinks that they have another murder that could be connected to these other two. Who knows how many times he did this and got away with it. Othram has solved another case this week. Othram Labs, friend of the show. This one's out of Marysville, Washington, where a man's body was found in a landfill 45 years ago. Here's what I like about genetic genealogy. It uh, it doesn't care who you are or what, what happened. These are determined genetic genealogists. They see a mystery. They just want the answer. Nobody cared about this guy for 45 years, but um, now we know his name. Anyways, so a man's body found in a landfill 45 years ago, we're t- September 7th, 1977. Police at the time figured the body had probably come from a dumpster in downtown Seattle. In April 2021, sheriffs, the sheriff's department up there sent DNA to Othram, said, we'd really like to know who this is and wrap up, give this guy his name back. And the uh, Othram people find that this guy is predominantly Native American, traced his family tree to one Blaine has tricks. You know, Native Americans have those kind of story names. This guy's last name was Has, one word, tricks, has tricks. And uh, Blaine has tricks, hopped a train in 1977 with his brother Ross. Ross returned, Blaine did not. Never knew what happened to him. So now we've got his name. Here's the other part of the mystery. Authorities are trying to figure out what happened. If you knew Blaine has tricks, if you knew this guy, and that name's going to stick with you, please contact police. Uh, as far as weird news goes, I've got I've got one. Uh, sad story. Um, the Independent has it this week. This involves 24-year-old Ryan Grantham. He pleaded guilty this week to killing his mar- mother, Barbara Waite. Now, you might not know the name Ryan Grantham, but you've probably seen him. He was a child actor, and he appeared on Riverdale. And in the movie Diary of a Wimpy Kid, he killed his mother in Squamish, which is north of Vancouver. Why? Because he'd planned an act of terrorism and didn't want her to have to see it on the news. After he killed her, he loaded the car up with guns, ammo, Molotov cocktails, and directions to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's house. He was on the way there to kill the Prime Minister when he turned around. He had second thoughts. For a minute, he thought maybe maybe he'd just drive to Simon Fraser University where he was studying, kill a bunch of people there. But he didn't. Instead, he drove to Vancouver Police Station, a Van, you know, a police station in Vancouver, and he turned himself in. Said he'd killed his mother, and had these plans to do other things, but didn't want to do it. Turned himself turned himself in. So he's going to be sentenced now in Canada. He's probably going to get less than twenty years. They they look at all those things a little bit differently than we do here in the states. Uh, but this uh, leads me. This is the second case I've I've heard like this in, in as many weeks. Remember last week we were talking about this Nicholas Roski, who was arrested for the attempted assassination of Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. 
same well uh, you know this this child actor took it a, a little a little further he did kill his mother but he had second thoughts about this grand plan of terrorism turned himself in nicholas roski didn't kill anybody he turned himself in before he stepped onto Kavanaugh's property. He in, Now, he, he definitely got all the way there, but he was the one that turned himself in. Should that have any weight on what he's being charged with? The feds want to charge him with life in prison. I'm saying, and I, you know, I, I think the Supreme Court justice should be protected. Everybody should be protected. But what crime did Roski commit? He had a thought, a terrible thought, and he thought better of it and turned himself in. It's weird. I just want us to think about that a little bit. I'm thinking about doing an episode of Philosophy of Crime on that um, because it's an interesting philosophical conundrum. What is the crime that he that he committed? Uh, over to pop culture. This is kind of true crime, kind of not. I think it fits, though. Have you guys seen the trailer for... Blonde. This is uh, Marilyn Monroe by uh, biopic, uh, starring Anna de Armas, the wonderful Anna de Armas, and it is rated NC-17, which is the first Netflix-produced movie to be to get that NC-17, what we in the '80s used to call X. Um, here's. Here's. I gotta read you this awesome quote from director Andrew Dominic. This is the guy that directed the. The upcoming special, and it was, by the way, it's based on Joyce Carol Oates's novel from 2000. And they're like, "Hey, uh, what do you think about getting this NC-17 reading?" And he tells the Screen Daily, "This, this is what he says: quote, It's a demanding movie. If the audience doesn't like it, that's the fucking audience's problem. It's, I'm, it's not running for public office. It's an NC-17 movie about Marilyn Monroe. It's kind of what you want, right?" I want to go and see the NC-17 version of the Marilyn Monroe story. Thank you, Andrew. I do, too. Um, it will it will play out kind of like a true crime story because Marilyn Monroe was found dead at the age of 36 in Brentwood. That's where uh, the O.J. Simpson thing happened, by the way. Nicole Brown Simpson, uh, I should say. Probable suicide is what they determined. They found her... Loaded up with uh, Nembutals, like three or four times the lethal dose. So probable suicide. Others, though, think it's murder covered up, maybe connected to the Kennedy family. Why? Because she definitely had an affair with John F. Kennedy, maybe with other Kennedys. And I'm not sure if it gets into this, but most people don't know this little bit of history. So there's Apparently, a 15-minute silent 16-millimeter film that shows Marilyn Monroe performing oral sex on a guy that appears to be John F. Kennedy, but you can't see his full like profile. But it seems to match up with like the lodge that he would stay at. But this just sold for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars just a couple years ago to a New York businessman who's unnamed who refuses to release it, says uh, the, the the person that, that negotiated the sale said he obtained the film from the son of a dead FBI informant. So she was definitely wrapped up in all sorts of 
all sorts of things that could have gotten her killed there. So check that out. Checking the charts, the true crime charts from Chartable. I, at number two, Morbid. They are the new. They're, they're number two with a rocket. These, they, they've kind of come out of nowhere in the last few weeks. And now they are at the top of the charts. They're, they're establishing their place. I couldn't be happier for them. This is a true crime podcast hosted by Elena and Ash, an autopsy tech and a hairstylist. And they're super fun to listen to. You can tell they're having fun as much as you can with true crime. So congratulations, Morbid, uh, and wish you well in the future. And that's the uh, news for this week. We did it. We made it. It's Friday. That's cause to celebrate all the time. And in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, I wish he would look him up. He's, uh, he's a crazy guy. Check him out. But it's Friday, and that means we got to, 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 get down. Damn it. True Crime This Week is a Fearful Symmetry production. Our theme music is Trash Town Boogie by Mr. Smith, used under a Creative Commons license for use in this show. All sources are listed in the liner notes at the end of this episode. If you like The Cut of My Jib, please check out my other podcast, Philosophy of Crime. Unless quoted directly from a source, all content should be considered the opinion of the host. That's me, James Renner. See you next week.